It was the weekend of Sligo Live, possibly 2008, maybe 2009. I didn't have a gig at the festival itself, but one of the bands I was in at the time had a gig downstairs in McGarrigal's on the Sunday night of the weekend. The lads in the band, uh, Steve, Dave and Tommy, although two of them live in Sligo now, didn't live here then. And so it was a big deal for me to have a gig for us here. And I remember the feeling well. We had rehearsed. We knew our stuff. We were fired up. The pub was packed. And I remember thinking at the time, all I want to do is to play music and write songs with these guys, to take over the world with them, to make it big. Hello, everybody, and you're welcome to episode three of In the Lamplight. Rory, Luke, how are you tonight? Well, great, how great. are things? Good stuff. Do you want to know what happened to the band? Sure. What happened to the band, Kieran? Tell us. We didn't make it big. <laughs> uh, we didn't. We didn't actually even try that hard. Um, but but I think, I think everyone in a band at some stage experiences that feeling, that sort of ambition or desire to go for it or to really try and make it big. Yeah. Um, Rory, any experience of that yourself, or have you, have you ever experienced that? Those feelings I was talking about there. <laughs> have I? Have I ever? Every single day. Oh, yeah. any any kind of like like uh, when I talk to the lads um, about various different ideas, I am I'm always like I'm always conscious that I can I can make a hundred million on paper, no bother. Now going out yeah, and actually doing that like is a, is a tough. But every time I sit down with ideas, like yeah, like real Del Boy head on me, like straight away, like this <laughs> this will work hundred um, percent. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I think what I'm figuring out more and more as I uh, try to make it big and fail over and over, <laughs> I think uh, I think I'm realizing that just if if you're doing what you like doing, these things kind of come not not naturally, but you ha- you're going to have to let it happen organically, because trying to, uh, people can spe- can sense desperation really really easily, yes, you know. Yes. Like so, if you're if you're desperately like I want to be the biggest, whereas if you're just a natural character that just does what you like doing. You probably have a better chance, I think. At least this is the new plan. This is the new Del Boy plan, B is. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you're probably better off trying to be great than trying to make it big. Because if you put your put your energies into trying to make whatever you're doing as good as it possibly can be, rather than focusing on, you know, I want to be famous or I want to be rich or I want to be in America or in England or whatever it is, I think you've probably you're probably you're probably onto something there, Rory. Well, I have. Go on, sorry. Sorry. If you if you set out with the intention of being famous, I think your your energies are in the wrong place straight away. What you yeah. said there about trying to be great rather than trying to be famous or make a big with it, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you're you're getting fulfillment then. Because if if you're working on a project and and your your goal is this is gonna be I'm gonna be huge with this, this I'm gonna be this is gonna make me famous, this is gonna go viral. And if you don't get that, which really I mean you're not going to unless you're extremely lucky. Uh, yeah, sure. Then you don't get your fulfillment. Whereas if your goal is I'm gonna make this as good as it can possibly be and I'm gonna find personal and professional satisfaction in that, then you do get fulfillment out of it. And yeah. that's the main thing, isn't it? hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. I have a story about Luke making a big Rory. Oh, go, oh please yeah. tell me this is great. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> I was contacted. I am, I am finding more and more that these little intros to the podcast, this is just pick on Luke time. Every ah, no, no, this, this, is, this is a compliment, Luke, this one. This is a compliment. You, you, you know the story, I'm sure. I was contacted. It was just, just under a year ago, last December. I was contacted by uh, Westlife's tour manager 
um, a guy called Paul Higgins. And he was on the way down to Sligo um, because uh, May Filan, Shane's mother, had sadly passed away. And May was a, a famous lady in Sligo town. And it was going to be a big funeral in St Anne's Church. And Paul was looking after it for the lads, for Shane. And so he, there was musicians flying in from London. So they needed equipment. They needed uh I guess, a, a contact to the church itself for rehearsals. They needed they needed a sound engineer. And so uh, I got in touch with Luke and and asked Luke, would he be would he be up for it? And he was. And so, Luke, you were working pretty closely with with Westlife's musical director. I remember a guy called Steve Anderson, who who uh, who, who flew over just to make sure the performance was was as Shane and his family would have would have liked it. Um, and then this guy, Steve Anderson, has you know, he's worked with Kylie Minogue, with Britney Spears, Take That, and obviously Westlife. So some pretty heavy hitters. Um, but if I'm not mistaken, Luke, at the end of the whole thing, he sort of said to you, geez, man, you did a great job. That was amazing. I mean, if you ever want to come over and work with any of my acts, um, here's my number. Just just, just give us a call. Is, is, that, is, that, is that how it happened? Uh, cl- close enough. Yeah, he, he, he just said, um, he just said, kind of said, well done. And I, I, I love what you did. I like what, you seem to be about and if you've ever thought about kind of coming and working in the UK or or whatever um you know you could uh you could get in touch and you know it's basically like he he could maybe get me in contact with a company or 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 something um yeah so that was that was nice um reassurance i suppose to get at the end of a gig that you've done a good job and and again that's fulfillment like it's not um I, I never did it and I probably probably never will um, because I find myself quite fulfilled where I am at at the moment like it's not uh, it's not about scale for me and um, it actually it really irks me when I hear somebody say to some well, well when somebody says to me or if I hear somebody saying to someone else you know that's kind of thing of oh you're wasted around here you should be off doing such and such and such a place and and you're like why like why um do we have this perception that the scale at which you do something matters and and why do we consider that to be linked in with the quality at mm, which you mm. can do something like if all i ever do for the rest of my life is is run a successful studio in sligo um i'm a reasonably successful uh sound engineer get to play music with people that i like playing with then I will be incredibly fulfilled uh, by that. Like, th- there's no sense in saying to somebody, um, trying to think of an equivalent kind of career here for analogy, but like, you know, if if someone is a chef and if they mm. really enjoy being a chef and, and yeah. they're, they they enjoy going to work in, in their restaurant that they cook in in Sligo every day, like, does it really make sense to say to them, you're such a good chef. You're wasted around here. You should be cooking in a Michelin star restaurant in London. Like, no, it doesn't. It's it's nice if you get there, but it shouldn't be about scale. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I agree. And I I, I love that attitude, I must say. Um I, I guess it, it, you know, it comes down also though to the people you're working with and and the the standard of people in your field in wherever you are, because you know, you might you might be delighted with the people you're working with, and hopefully you are, and you will be for the rest of your life. But if you weren't, and there was people coming into your studio who, you know, you didn't particularly enjoy working with, or there wasn't many good musicians around this neck of the woods, uh, you might think 
do you know, I wouldn't mind going over to England and trying and seeing what it's like to work with these big bands and seeing what this this scene is actually like. Mm-hmm. So it's and also to do with the quality of the people around you, I think. Yeah, and if it comes a time, you know, I, I may still do that sometime. But at the moment, I don't think I will. And yeah. like, you know, the way Neve was saying last week that she just didn't like the idea of having a piece of music put in front of her on that stand every week and having no personal choice in what she performed. Yeah. I think for me, going off and working on a large scale tour, there'd be an element of that in it for me because I could spend a couple of days in the studio here and then I really want to get out and play at the weekend. And after I've played at the weekend, maybe I want to write a bit and then I get to go and do a bit of sound engineering or something. I get to do quite a lot of different things and mm. I enjoy all of them. Um, yeah, whereas, whereas there you, you just have the one gig and that's you, it. You show up and you do it every day. and, yeah. and That happens and a lot on... That happens a lot on, on bigger scale projects where the bigger the scale, the more people involved. So the less creative control or input that you have in the project. Mm. So if you're in a, in a, in a smaller project that's, that's your own, you have nearly full creative control or you have the cre- creative control in conjunction with the people you're working with. And sometimes that's far more fulfilling than saying, oh, you know, I, I worked in a stadium with Lewis Capaldi or something. Mm. But yeah. you know, you, you might have got the same fulfillment. Who's not coming on our podcast once he hears this week's episode? <laughs> probably, probably not. No, we probably no, snooped ourselves there. Yeah, I'd yeah, like anyway. to apologise to Lewis Capaldi because he is someone I'd love to get on. I'd love to talk to him, and he's great crack. So, Lewis, uh, if you're listening, um, <laughs> <laughs> just just like, switch off uh, about two thirds of the way through the podcast for about ten minutes, and you'll be grand. Yeah, yeah, or just saying. skip it. Skip yeah, it. Kinda, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Um, our guest this week spoke a few times in this interview of making it big, firstly dreaming of it as a child and then actually experiencing it, experiencing the, the UK pop industry at its most frenzied when finishing sixth along with her sisters in the 2005 X Factor. Uh, so we discussed this, uh, we discussed many things, but she really came alive when discussing her, the voice, her voice, how it works and her pet hates regarding people's voices. Uh, we also have a competition on the podcast this week, not for you, the listeners, I'm sorry, but we do have a, a singing competition between Luke and our guest this week, Sinead Conway. Sinead Conway, you are welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Karen Quinn. Out of all the musicians I know and I've played with, I'd say, this is a guess now, but I'd say I've done the most gigs out of any of them with you. We have a, a great history over the years um, of working together. Do you remember how we first met? I do. Oh, do I? Yeah, Italy. Or did No, we met before. Yeah. Okay. It's a great story. <laughs> anyway, I went into McGarrigal's one night upstairs and um, yourself and Eddie and Tante were playing, the odd couple. And um, I went up towards the end of the night and I says, um, I'd love to sing a song with you some night. Um, is, there, is there any chance, you know, I could get up and sing and... You were like, oh, yeah, if you, if you bring your charts in for us the next time. I think actually Tonto said that. <laughs> bring your charts in for us the next time and we'll... Um, and I was like, charts? Charts? What are charts? And I said, Grant, um, fine, that's a bit of a... Quickly went home to Google charts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that was, um, yeah, that was a no to me. Basically, we get singers asking to sing all the time. So, um, no. And I think I think you might have said, what's your name? And I was like, um, Sinead, Sinead Conway. And I was like, um, we did like 
the X Factor like a few years previous. You didn't say that. I did. And, and I was like, we were <laughs> no. the Conway sister. No, I didn't. No, There's I didn't. Be a fight I here. didn't say that. Great. No, I, I had said something like, um, I don't know, I sing with my sisters, the Conway sisters. You were like, the who? <laughs> <laughs> so I was no, like, the Conway sisters. Uh, yeah, I was no. like, these guys are just pure unsound. <laughs> so I went home and um, tail between my legs, very sad, very. Um, disgusted with you all <laughs> and um, then we happened to um, be on the same trip to Italy a couple of weeks later um, for a wedding of mutual friends and um, the band at the wedding actually were very nice and kindly <laughs> um, allowed me to get up and sing a song because the bride had asked me and um, Did they want charts? No, they didn't. Oh, no, they didn't ask for charts, um, which was, you know, I thought was, they, they obviously knew the music, you know, <laughs> which um, sometimes doesn't always happen, you know, with um, with some people. But anyway, after, later in the night, Kieran asked me for my number. And um, the following week, I think we were playing in McGarrigal's for our first gig. Is that how you remember? I, I have a slightly different memory of that now, Sinead. Oh, go on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I was there when, when Tonto uh, mentioned about the charts. I do remember chatting to you, though, and you were saying I'd love to get up and sing a song. And in our defence, you get a lot of people doing that. Now, I did know who you were. I got, you know, I, 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 I knew you were Sinead from the Conway Sisters. Um, but... I sort you know, you, you get people coming up, especially after a gig and they've had a few drinks and they're full of, I want to sing a song. And so I, what I, my, my standard line was, great, give us a shout during the week and we'll meet up and we'll, and we'll, 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 we'll see, we'll see how we get on. And, uh, and so I said that to you, like I'd say it to, to most people and, and, and it's very few people who give you the shout during the week afterwards because yeah. they've, they've forgotten what they, what they said or the. The buzz is gone from that particular night. So I I think I said that to you. I don't think I was as dismissive as you're claiming now. But anyway, I do remember I do remember the gig in Italy and you got up and sang and I said, right, she's good enough that I'm gonna go ring her. I'm not gonna wait for her to ring me. Anyway, that was the start of it. Um I had I had Fology on the X Factor. I had I had of course seen the X Factor. That was two 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 thousand and five you were on the X Factor. Um this was a couple of years later. But I know you're, you've probably spoken about the X Factor to death, but in case some of our listeners haven't heard about it, what, what was it like? Oh, it seems like a million years ago, 15 years ago. To 15 be years ago, yeah. But, um, no, I don't talk about it much these days. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, oh, it was such a crazy, wonderful experience at the time and just like nothing I'll ever experience in my life again in terms of the adrenaline and the excitement and the just you know 10 million people watching you on a Saturday night and the live studio audience and the hype around it and the paparazzi and the it was just an absolutely crazy crazy time um tough in a lot of ways though as well um first of all I don't think it portrayed us at all the way I guess we hoped to be portrayed as singers. Okay. I found just the kind of the UK pop industry thing to be just so, um, so shallow, so, so much about, more about the way you look nearly and the image you portray and the story you bring with you than the actual music or what you're delivering vocally. So um, <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't love it in, in that sense. And 
you know, it was a crazy experience. Am I sorry I did it? No, mm. I absolutely mm. loved doing it and got a great buzz out of it. But um, I don't think it was any sort of stepping stone in my career in, in kind of, I guess when I met you guys, I kind of felt very much this feels so comfortable and so right. Um, it just it just fit much better. Not like I love singing with my sisters and I always love singing with them. But in terms of the music, we might have, you know, sometimes had differences in. Um, sure, you all have very different styles. tastes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I guess I, I loved what you guys did with the kind of the jazz and the soul and stuff like that. And I was I was um, quite into that. And. Yeah, you weren't that bad of musicians, you <laughs> okay, know. <laughs> all right. We didn't know our songs from time to time. Yeah. So if you Google like the Conway sisters and you and you, you there's two big stories from those days that that come up, right? There's one where um you were down to the final two in one of the episodes, one of the shows and uh, Louis Walsh voted for ye against Sharon's act. And Sharon came out with this outburst. Sharon Osbourne, who was one of the judges at the time, came out with this outburst about the Irish mafia, that Louis Walsh was Irish, ye were Irish, <laughs> he was voting with his passport, right? And there's an article in the Sligo Champion with Jim Gray with, with, from that time with your dad, and your dad's in the paper demanding an apology from Sharon Osbourne <laughs> and saying, my girls are upset after all this that happened. Now, were you upset or is, is any of this genuine or is it all just hyping oh, the show up? at the up time, or? no. Do you know, we were actually, I remember on the night we were like, I had, um, my aunt and uncle had a, a pub in South London and we were like, let's just leave in the middle of the night. And because we just felt like she was one of the favourites, the girl that got voted off against us. And we were, um, we weren't from the UK and that was a home audience, you know, so they were just they like, wanted her to go yeah, as well. they wanted her to go through. So we just felt like the worst people in the world that like this is that we did something really wrong mm, mm, and mm. people made us feel that way. Okay. And um, so there was some genuine upset on your oh, part. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. yeah. No, we it were, wasn't possible to, always to separate the hype from the actual reality of what you were feeling. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, geez. Yeah, yeah. It was real, yeah. real harsh stuff. And then yeah. all I can say is I am so glad social media wasn't around at the time because yeah. we had a little bit of that um, from boards or something that we used to. Beeble. No, it wasn't. That wasn't even. <laughs> that wasn't even around at the time. Um, Two thousand and five. I'm really. just. I have to say that's one thing. I think that would have like messed massively with, um, like mental health and stuff. Um, just, and I'd say an awful lot of people, you know, suffer with that kind of thing. Like, there's an awful lot of bullying that goes along with it. You know, you have your lovers, but you have your haters. Mm big time and um, you know we, we felt that on the tour as well a bit you know in the London crowd you know there was a um, bit of booing and stuff like that and, okay. but um, but then as I say there was so many upsides to it mm. and you know we had a huge fan base as well and you know we came sixth on the show and um, yeah it was actually funny when you mentioned the mafia I remember one newspaper put a picture of dad 
in a like pinstripe suit and a hat. <laughs> <laughs> he just like put his head onto a, a mafia boss's kind of body, and it was um, yeah, it was quite funny. Right, right, right. <laughs> but dad, I think dad was actually a huge part of our story as well, and they kind of okay. clung on to that. Really, as in he was he was sort of your manager at the time, was he? Kind of. He yeah. was a he was a major driving force behind um, yeah. behind it, and um, he just loved it. Like mm. he he yeah. He, he loved all of that, so. Ah, yeah, nice great. memories. Yeah. Because, um, of course, the previous, it was only the year previous that Tabby was on it. Yeah. So this huge UK massive show and two years in a row, there's Sligo people making the final, the final of it. It was it was it was a mad time, all right. For sure. So so look, you you, you that's that all finished um, towards the end of, tw- of tw- 2005, and uh, as you say, it wasn't really a stepping stone in your career as such, but music was still a huge part of what you wanted to do when you came back home. Um, and, and you ended up studying something completely different. You, you studied sort of classical music and how to be a, a soprano, a classical soprano as such. A classical soprano. <laughs> a classical <laughs> soprano, shouldn't <laughs> That's what you normally call it, Kurt. Yeah. Um, was that the first thing they taught you when you went to, to, to study? Was how to ha- pronounce how it. Pronounce <laughs> it. <laughs> this is how I talk when I speak to my classical when you soprano. you introduce yourself, you have to say, <laughs> on, I'm Sinead Conley, I'm a classical soprano. <laughs> <laughs> she got her voice down, man. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, so, no, when I came back, <clears throat> when we came back from The X Factor, we, um, I, I remember coming back from London and I was just, at the time, I was like, do you know what, I'm, I'm so done with it because there was like, there was just things that I didn't like, you know, we were, <laughs> we were being asked to do kind of photo shoots and things that I wasn't really comfortable with and stuff like that. The whole thing was so much about the way you looked and... Oh, I just didn't feel it just didn't fit for me yeah. um in the the UK pop scene it just wasn't wasn't me mm. and um I remember coming home and just feeling like oh, I just want to do the, like something really normal I need to take a break for a while and I went and I worked in the bank for 2 years I just got myself a 9 to 5 and um what a way to make a living. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Cheeky. <laughs> what was that you said? You won a... What did you win for that? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> a Ames Award, was uh, it, Luke? Move, yeah, move yeah. swiftly on. We'll move swiftly Every episode he's talking about this. <laughs> Someone of the Ames, yeah. I bet, I bet, I bet. Well done, Luke Giovanni. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, working in the bank and then, yeah, I just decided in 2008... I've decided now I want to go back. I want to study. I had started a degree when I left school in in classical music, but it just wasn't the right course for me um, up up north. And um, so nine years later, I went back. I feel like 2008 was a major change in my life in terms of just everything fell into place for me, just in in how how I... felt comfortable in what I was doing, how I was, what I was performing, making my own choices. I suppose, you know, when you're part of a group, you don't get to make your own choices and and you kind of have to... Majority rules. Sit, yeah, yeah, you have to sit back a lot and yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay. um, yeah, I, I decided I was going to go finish my degree. Um, it was very performance based and um, yeah, did that for four years in Dublin. And when I moved to Dublin, I think that was when I, I kind of met you guys as well. So, yeah, I've met you over in Italy in July of 2008, started my music degree in September 2008. Then January 2009, started with the Dublin Gospel Choir. 
And then I started singing with the Hot House Big Band soon around that. So my life was Loads just... Loads of new beginnings. Singing, singing, singing. Yeah, yeah. All day long, yeah. all weekend, evenings. It was just... And I was so happy. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah, just yeah. loved every minute of that. Okay, okay. Your choice of songs today really showcases your versatility, actually. And... Um, we're going to start with, with, with one of those songs. This is a classical song, a classical piece of music you've chosen first. The other two are completely different. Uh, what's, this, what's this first song you're going to do? I'm going to do Time to Say Goodbye. Um, the, um, that was made famous, I think, by Andrea Bocelli and Sarah Brightman. Hmm. And um, yeah, I don't kind of get to sing it a lot. I don't get to sing a lot of classical stuff at all. And I, you know, I trained hard for it. Yeah, so, so um, yeah, it's nice to have an outlet the odd time um, to just to do that. And you're going to be both Andrea and Sarah. Sure. Why not? <laughs> would you would you not jump in there now, Kieran, and do the Al Andrea? Sarah. Oh, sorry. The Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I'll go to you for a bit of bit of training first. So we, we won't <laughs> okay. just jump straight into that one. Okay. All right. So time to say goodbye.
There we go. <laughs> ah, yeah. Time to say goodbye. Um, Andrea and Sarah, both parts, Sinead. Well, yeah. <laughs> Good on you. Good on you. Unbelievable stuff. <clears throat> How do you get a voice like that? How, uh, so, so we've spoken about, I guess, your 20s and, you know, the X Factor and going to college and starting with bands. But what about before that? What about as a child, as a teenager? How how do you get a voice like that? Um. Okay, so I started, I actually started singing lessons at four. Did you, yeah? Yeah, with um, Mary Dorn. And then I went on to Sheila Kilcoyne. And I always learned classically with with those um, and did the fesh and did all the kind of... Um, yeah, fesh liggy, fesh kiole and all of that and did that all through my um, childhood. And I think my dad was a huge, again, a huge influence on me in that sense, because I remember as a teenager, well, as a teenager, he used to drive me up to Dublin on a Saturday to Veronica Dunn for lessons. You know, I was I was saying to one of my students the other day something about um you know, do you feel comfortable singing at home in your house um, or do you feel like your family, do you have a space basically that I'm saying that you're comfortable to practice and really sing out? And she was saying, well, I'm, I'm very aware of them, you know, sometimes. And I was just thinking to myself how my dad used to come into my rehearsals and say, do you mind if I come in and sit down and listen? Oh, really? You know, yeah. So he'd, he'd come in and he'd sit down and he'd listen. He'd say, oh, sing it again. Do you know, he was just like <laughs> the number one fan. Yeah. Um, and then we, we had this absolute huge bond through... We would drive for hours in the car, just listen to Maria Callas, like on evenings. We'd, we'd just um, had major, major um, bond over the love of her voice and her, her music. I remember recently watching that movie Philadelphia. And oh my God, I lost it completely because I remember watching that with my dad and the two of us, tears running down our faces watching it. And same thing happened to me again recently. Wow. So okay. yeah. But your mum, your mum was a singer herself, not a professional singer, but but sang a lot and yeah. th- was responsible for a lot of music in the house also. Hugely. Yeah. yeah. Mum, I mean, s- nearly sings more than she talks around right. the house, you know. Right. Yeah. So um, and mum, mum has such a good ear for, you know, a good singer or good any song she's ever kind of said, that song, that's going to be huge or that singer. They're, they've always, you know, she, she's a really she's good on the money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. She'd be a great judge on okay. the X Factor. Right. <laughs> Would she be controversial enough? Uh, <laughs> no. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. But yeah, both absolutely just. And I think that was a huge part of it, you know, that there was never any kind of talk of, um, oh, but how are you going to pay your bills? If you, you know, you need to get a real job. Mm. There was none of that kind of talk. Mm. Uh, singing was always kind of the way for me and I never thought of anything else and they encouraged that all the way. Okay. And what, but what, I mean, what about your sisters? They obviously were all singers as well, or at least three of them were. Um, and, and so what was the house like? I mean, was it just oh, a cacophony of song oh, all the geez, time and yeah. harmonies all, coming from one bedroom to another? Or yeah. like, Oh ha, no, ha, it was like mental. Like we, yeah. we had a stage, out there. we had this coal bunker out the back of our house and we used to make that into our stage and we'd get up and we'd dress up and I'd be Madonna and yeah. someone else would be, you know, Whitney and someone else would be, and we'd all be doing our thing. But um, yeah, it was, it was just, it was music all the time in the house and um 
No, it was real. It was a real fun environment to to grow up in for sure. But I think um, I kept the singing lessons going. Okay. I think the rest of them kind of. Um, I don't think they were mad about the classical thing. I loved the classical thing and just keeping up the lessons because I suppose as a a teenager or when you're going through kind of puberty and all of that, your voice changes, it breaks and there's a there's a period of around two years kind of between maybe twelve and fourteen where you're you're I remember being so frustrated I had no control over my voice and it felt so frustrating and um and I remember coming out the other side of it and, and you know, that was that was great and I kept going then with the with the singing lessons and that. And um Did yeah. you ever rebel against it or did you ever think, ah, oh, this is this is this is this is no good or this isn't for me or this isn't cool or or was it just all the way? No. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. I just like I had major dreams in my head about, you know, being so famous as yeah, a singer yeah. and stuff. But yeah. um yeah, no, it was always I always was just so driven by singing. All right. So so I mean in terms of the classical thing, you you say you don't get to do it very much um nowadays. I mean does your work in weddings, does that does that lead you to sing many classical songs? As in do you find many brides like that stuff? Or is is it has it changed over the years even? In terms um, of tastes at, at ceremonies? I think you'll have your top 10 every year. Right. <laughs> you know, songs that you'll go through. Um, there was a year, one year, Feels Like Home was at every single ceremony. Uh, one of your favourites. <laughs> um, thousand Years. Thousand Years. Nella Fantasia. Yeah, well that's um, classical. Or Ave yeah. Maria, there's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah good bit of that. Um, the very odd time I'll be asked for like Brindisi or the... Um, Omia Babino Caro, which is quite funny because it's a song about a girl who is like, Father, if you don't let me marry my man, I'm going to throw myself off the the bridge into the River Arno and Lovely. Yeah, Just so, what you want. Yeah, yeah. Just what you want so, the wedding. I remember yeah. I remember being being with you at one wedding and the the bride as had asked you for someone like you by Adele. Oh god, yeah. Which is like another woman singing about Yeah. Someone stealing her man, basically. I hate to turn up out of the blue uninvited, but I couldn't <laughs> stay away. I couldn't fight it. I hope you'd see my face and that you'd be reminded that for me, it isn't over. <laughs> Never mind, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> and you're singing this as she walks up the aisle. I know. It was as she walked up the aisle. Yeah, it was, I, I think. Up. I think so, yeah. It was so cringy yeah. um, to me. Just... Because it was literally me singing this and it just felt like I was standing in the background in this big dramatic movie singing this to the groom <laughs> while his bride walking up the island. But it's not a yeah. happy song, is it? It's not a no. it's not a let's get together song. It's a we broke up and I'm a bit uh, torn yeah. up over it kind of yeah. a song. Yeah. 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 You'd never know the background of somebody's story, though. That might have been a, you know, like, I don't yeah. know. Well, yeah, that's true. And, you know, like people, I, I remember... <laughs> One of mine and Steve's favourite songs um, as a couple is When We Dance by Sting. And that's, you know, about some guy or, yeah, some... Anyway, he, she's married to somebody else and he wants her. Well, and every yeah. every breath you take, you know, which is one of the... Stalker song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. songs. But that song gets played... At, and Sting himself has like, be, be spoken about this in interviews. That song gets played at weddings 
up and down the world. And he, it was written, I think it's like in his head, it's from the perspective of somebody who's like had a divorce or had a breakup and they're like stuck in, you know, every breath you take, I'll be watching you. Can't you see you belong to me? How much, when you, when you actually speak the lyrics, <laughs> yeah. it's creepy as be damned. Yeah, yeah, and people yeah. walk down to the aisle to this stuff. Like, but, but some people don't listen to lyrics. Or no, they, they just they, hear they the music. They don't connect yeah. with a song because of the yeah. lyrics necessarily. Yeah. You know, yeah. they just, they hear the music and they think that's a lovely song and I want that at my wedding and they might not even ever consider what the words mean. Or they just hear the, every breath you take and you think, oh my God, that's every breath you take. I love you so much with every single yeah. breath yeah. you take. And then they just it's don't their own listen interpretation to the other the 95% of yeah. the lyrics in the song. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I will sing whatever, whatever they ask me to sing and, you know. Every breath you take, I'll be stalking you. <laughs> a simple um, change would give it a, a lot of context ta- yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> the next song, Sinead, you're going to sing, you can actually explain to us after you sing it maybe why you chose it. Um, um, but it's a beautiful song. It's uh, written by Leonard Cohen. Um, and this is the sort of, this is based on the Jennifer Warren's version. Yes. This is Song of song Bernadette. Bernadette. Okay, let's do it. Did either of you, um, any of us go to the, the Lissadell gigs when Leonard Cohen was here? Was anyone at those? I was, yeah. They were phenomenal. Yeah. I was at one of those and it was just, you know, like the setting and it had been raining all day and the sun just came out, like just before the gig started, this hole opened in the clouds and the sun beamed down and... You've got like the mountains, all of our kind of famous mountains around you and you're like this natural amphitheater. Yeah. And he came out then and he just has like this beautiful, humble stage presence and he was reciting bits of Yeats throughout the show. You know, like he was, he was, uh, uh, you know, quoting uh, the light of evening, Lissadell, great windows open. It is literally right there. Right there in the spot yeah. where it was written. It was magic. And he, 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 it was, they were the most poetic introductions of the band yes. I've ever heard. I would love to have recorded it and to listen back, but the way he spoke about each band member, it was like it's not the, like Luke Advani on the bass guitar. It was none no, of that like, it's you this, know. It's reverence. And then he gets down yeah. on his knee beside them as he introduces them yeah. and like bows to them as he's, yeah. yeah. Oh, he was, he was so graceful. Anyway, and, this is one of his. It's, it's, it's great. Just 
Put me right at peace. Gorgeous. <laughs> oh, thank you, Luke. So, so why that song, Sinead? Um, that song I only came to know when we did that gig in 2016. 17. 17. Yeah. They, um, he, Leonard Cohen passed away in 2016. Yes. We did the gig in 2017. And um, yeah, so we did a gig in the Hawkswell as a tribute to Leonard Cohen, Prince and... Um, David Bowie. David Bowie. And we had to come up with a few songs and I just had a good listen to a lot of the um, the Leonard Cohen songs and this one just massively stood out for me. And I, I remember um, singing it literally every single night to Ben and playing it because he was he was born in 2016. So when I was feeding him and all of that, I was singing that song to him and I just loved the melody and the Jennifer Warren's version is just so beautiful and I just think it's such a gorgeous song and I loved singing it and I think that's possibly the last time I sang it was at that gig in 2017 so I really wanted to sing it again I even think I sent you a text a few months ago saying something like 
we should sing that song again. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so I just, yeah, I love that. I remember, I remember that gig, obviously, and I remember you singing that. And, you know, I've heard you sing countless times, but that performance, and I'm not sure, have you just explained or have you just answered my question, but I heard an emotion in your voice. You know, I, 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 it's funny, I'm very sensitive to changes in your voice, having heard it so much, I think. Um, and, and I heard an emotion in your voice that night that I'm not sure I'd heard before. And I was going to ask you why, but you might have just answered my question that you, it was, it was a special song for you and, and your newborn, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I should have called him Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Sorry, I know, sorry. <laughs> really lovely, lovely thing to say. And I just ruined it all. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm going to cut that joke out. <laughs> just that joke. I'm going to post it on the social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but I guess, you know, I suppose like you're tough. You know, I've always thought that about you. You're sort of, there's a toughness about you and a grit about you. I'd and knock you out with one punch. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> would. I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight you, I tell you. <laughs> but, but I suppose to sing songs like that, being tough is no good. You know, there has to be a, a, a sort of a vulnerability or some sort of emotion to connect with it. I hear, I hear you say it a lot. You know, we do a lot of work with teenagers, the two of us together sometimes. And I hear you say it all the time, connect with the song. Find find the emotion in the song and connect with it, and that's um, that's obviously a big part of what you're trying to teach younger people to do. Tell us a bit about about your work with 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 younger people. Um, well, it's not just younger people actually, but with, well, with, no. with aspiring singers. Yeah, yeah, um, all ages really. Um, I I suppose I I really love. Again, I connect, I think, very much with teenage girls. And I think it's just because I can relate so much to them. And I find I'm at my best as a teacher when I'm working with teenage girls, because I guess that was a time in my life when I was I was really aspiring to be I wanted to be a singer. And I can see it in some of my students mm. how, who really just want to be the top of their game. And, you know, you can see the ones who who will go the extra mile, who will do absolutely everything they can to get there. And um, um, yeah, it's so much um, it's so much about bringing emotion into it and delivering delivering the story or the lyrics of the song or, or feeling. I mean, I suppose if you think about like opera, classical music, um, like you go to an opera and you won't understand a word. It might be in Italian, it might be in German, but it's the emotion that moves the people that are there that, you know, it's the emotion in the voices and they can pick up the emotion of what's going on in the plot or whatever from how it's delivered in the music. And that's that's so important, I suppose, when when singing. There's a lot of, um, I find an awful lot of kids come in and they'll give me nothing in the verses because they're kind of always kind of low and not, you know, and then the chorus comes and they give me everything. <laughs> they just like belt out the choruses and it's like, 
but what about that's that's you know nearly more important you know yeah. and um so it's just about you know really delivering the whole song and and seeing the whole thing which i find is is really difficult um for youngsters to see they just want to get to the bit that's big yeah. that they can belt out and stuff like that so it's it's kind of um you're very strong on people delivering the low notes i've heard you say this and i can see it in some of the performers on these teenage team nights that like I can see when they've been to you because they have this low note, which which could be a throwaway note. Had had you not emphasized it and say no, give me that note. I want to <laughs> yeah, hear that yeah, note. Yeah. And you can see them. You know they're they're going really low in their yeah, voice and they want to yeah. project it. And well, there's certain things I guess you can do. Like I have a few little kind of ingredients that you'll throw into. You know, I, I always tell them to put a bit of sob into their voice. So okay. like you know this kind of as if you've a hot potato in your mouth yeah. when you're going for low notes. Okay. Or you know if you're. <clears throat> Like everyone wants to belt, yeah. everyone wants to do the big Adele numbers and all of that. And not everyone can bring the chest voice right up there. So, you know, I'll tell them if they're if they use their head voice, so they might go, ah! but if they put twang, a little bit of twang in, which is so twang would be like, <laughs> that song, you probably hear that coming out of the room all the time as well. But if you add a little bit of that into, you'll get, and it can make a much stronger, brighter, kind of like a cheat belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, there's little things you can do, I guess, to to get get certain things across with more emotion or with more power. Like if you're if you're going for, I, that's why like Adele is so popular. It's like she brings. It's all about her breakups and stuff like that. Her songs and. Um, there's so much emotion in her voice, but you get that emotion from, it's nearly, it's nearly, it's cultivated shouting is what it is sometimes, you know, so you're bringing your chest voice into your head register, which is an unnatural thing to do, mm. but it it does bring the emotion, but you should be very careful, very, very careful with belting as well, so... You've, you've so you do have some some pet hates also about like you, you about singers in terms of tell us about the slide. Oh, the yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, I'm I'm most of my students will know I I cannot stand when people slide. Like my favorite one is silent night. <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, it's it's just oh. not a thing. That sits well with me. Let me ask you a question, um, because, you know, of all the singers that I know, you're definitely one of them. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, you sing with immaculate diction, which I really love in, in, a, in a singer, because there's nothing worse. It's a real pet peeve of mine to not be able to understand lyrics. I hate that. You sing with immaculate diction and, and quite a neutral accent. This modern oh, yeah. pop. Yeah, I'm totally on <laughs> that with you. Accent. Thing. Do you know who does that the worst? Is Lu- Lewis Capaldi. Lewis Capaldi. Calling G's, calling G's. What are you um, saying? What do I picture this? You know, take my, so we can go walking. Like, where? where I'm not pronouncing the. Where, take my hand. What's that? What, did, what did you say? <laughs> where has this weird. Um, you know, like, if you go back to like the 80s, we say Whitney Houston. You listen to her talking and there's like, there's a correlation between what Whitney Houston sounds like as a talker and as a singer. Yeah. You know, it's her voice. And like, 
Mark Knopfler, there's a correlation. Guy Clark, there's a correlation. Willie Nelson, there's a correlation. But this correlation between what somebody actually talks like and sings like in the last 10 years has like just... Disaffecting period. It's just gone. <laughs> Disaffecting period. Where is it gone? And where has this weird I know, accent yeah. come from? And it's really like, I, there's been a few people who I actually kind of thought had, you know, speech impediments. <laughs> when yes. I'd hear them singing. And I remember yes. saying it about, um, just saying, um, you know, that, that person, they can't, thinking, they can't pronounce their oars. But they were fine with it when they were speaking. When speaking. But it's just this, it's Louis Capaldi does that. He yeah. doesn't pronounce yeah. his oars. And they, they seem to add in an I. This little I, this, this, as, as, as Owen Troy uh, has, has dubbed it, the curly vowel. Yeah. The curly vowel. Right. Right. The curly vowel. The curly vowel. The curly vowel. I'm walking tell. Yeah, yeah I, I can't I can't listen to it. It just grinds my yeah. gears. No, there's definitely um, all the kind of younger up and coming generation are are very much doing that now. But it's really like it's funny, like even my four year old at home is picking up accents in music mm-hmm. like you know he you got a friend in me. He sings it like <laughs> that, you know, and he's, um, and uh, that's what they're, they're listening. They're hearing what what's popular, what's on the radio, um, what's in the charts, and they're copying it. But that's my question, hmm. is where did this accent start? Like, everybody has had to have heard it and kind of copied it of somewhere, and I now it's permeated th- yeah. so far. Like, where the hell did this come from? I think it started from? with Adele, though. I think, I think Adele think? was the first that I was kind of aware of anyway. Um, I heard... That, that heard that I can't even do it on purpose. That you, <laughs> you know, yeah, she's definitely a culprit. Yeah, it's very, it's a very strange thing and something that's actually quite hard to, do you, you know, when people are in. When you're oh, te- yeah. yeah, I'm like, what are you, you know? And do you ever get anywhere with that, or do you kind of come I'll back say, the next week? Well, no, I'll say it. I'll say it to them, and I'll say, okay, do you hear what you just sang? Now say that word. And then they say the word perfectly and it's like, okay, sing it perfectly. And they go back into the, and it's like, do you hear what you're singing? You know, it's making them aware of, of yeah. it. And then they get to choose what they want to do, I suppose, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's that as well. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, again, with the slide thing, yeah. I've made my opinion clear yeah. <laughs> on what I like and yeah. what I don't think is good singing practice yeah. to some students. And they're like, do you know what? I actually like it. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. 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 So, you know. That's great now, lads. That's a heap of people that will never, ever come on our podcast now. That's uh, <laughs> Lewis Capaldi will never do it. Picture this will never do it. <laughs> um, right, I, 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 I have a competition. All right, this is not for the listeners. This is between Sinead and Luke. Cool. Who can sing higher? Oh, oh definitely. Oh, it's definitely yeah. Sinead. No, what are you on about me? Well, let's it's, find out. Let's find out. No, I've right, sang we'll, too much tonight with we'll start all the with, rehearsals. <laughs> Come on, come on. We're doing this. <laughs> we'll start with a C. This is not a high C now, Sinead. You're famous for your high C. Hold on now. Hold the fuck I'm standing up. <laughs> 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 there we go. Let's go do this. We're going to do this. Hold right. on. Can I just turn on the camera there? Yeah, just one second. absolutely, Rory. Good shout. What did he say? He said just turn on the camera so he can film you losing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 
<laughs> Luke's so going to win. I'm not. I oh, come on. You're the no. highest singer I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> okay, we'll start with this C. C above middle C. And the big one, the high C, Sinead, for the win. Yeah, I never liked Jenny anyway. <laughs> Anything you can sing, I can sing higher. <laughs> a valiant effort, Luke, in all fairness. Can we have a com- no, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, can we have a competition to see who can sing the lowest, but you can win that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Um, cool. <laughs> I wasn't actually sure who was going to yeah, win that. I was. I, I genuinely didn't think I'd, I'd win that one. Uh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay. One song left. Sinead, this is a song you told me earlier today. You, you've just really enjoyed singing for the last sort of 10, 15 years of your for life. sure. With you guys. Yeah. It's um, um, Anything Goes, really. Um, Midnight Train to Georgia. I actually, the first time I heard it, funny enough, was... Well, not the first time I heard it, but the first time I was really drawn to it was uh, Brenda, one of our um, fellow contestants on The X Factor, sang it one of the nights. And I was just like, that song is coming with me. Right. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, she's, love that girl. She, and she's actually also done um, Sister Act, Dolores and Sister Act okay. as well. Yeah, yeah. So I just love Anything she sings, I love it. Okay. She's an amazing singer. And um, yeah, I've had an amazing, I don't know, how many years? 12 years singing with with you guys, This singing this song. And it's always been one of my favourites. And a highly requested one from um, people who used to come into Hargadens of a Friday I'm night a Friday to hear night. us. Yeah. <coughs> okay. <coughs> We that was one of them gig one. things that we're not allowed to do anymore. I know. Yeah. So sad. Anyway. And... Two, three, and four. But he sure found out the heart 
times indeed Sinead Conway and this was great crack tonight uh, I love particularly the spot when you started talking about you know training others and how the voice works you really came alive and it's it's really clear to see your passion for it so you're obviously in the right in the right neck of the woods regarding the work you do yeah so anyone listening who wants to uh, put a bit more sob in their voice or a bit less slide <laughs> uh, or a bit more twang <laughs> That's uh, it. Sinead Conway is your lady it's been a pleasure having you on. Sinead Conway. Pleasure you. being Thanks here. Sinead. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> oh, wow, lads. How good was that? Serious. Such a voice. Yeah. Such a voice. Yeah. It's incredible. Every time, every time, I mean, the power in Sinead's voice is unbelievable, but, but it's not just the power, it's also the control. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, you can really hear, I guess it was similar enough to to Neve's, Neve's interview the previous week in that, you know, Sinead travelled to Dublin for singing lessons for weeks and you can really hear the value of those lessons, you know, and, and that training she did uh, when, you, when you just, you know, part of it's the power, part of it's the control. And then when you add the emotion, I think on top of that, it's just, it's just the full package, isn't it? For mm. sure. And I mean, her understanding of vocals 
as well, you know, like and that little bit she did about how to get a higher note out of someone who I just thought that I was like, that blew my mind for such a small. I was like, why has nobody ever told me that before? I've been struggling so hard for high notes for my entire life. Actually, speaking about high notes, Luke, have you worked out your high C yet or is that still? (laughs) I'm working on it. I'm working on it. (laughs) I I have all sorts of uh, plans in place now to, to extend my vocal range and get up to that high C so that we can have Sinead back on the podcast in a couple of seasons and that sounds like a throwdown I'm going to beat sound- her oh, it is a throwdown <laughs> throwing it right down I, I, I genuinely to- thought you were going to win that Luke hmm? I must say I was worried for Sinead because it wouldn't look I good for her I genuinely thought I was going to win it as well but then she hit a fake high C um, I think oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take her to court <laughs> and sue her over that fake high it's a fraud high C that was or did yeah. you let her win because she was a guest no I didn't let her win at all Either way, I feel like you're throwing shade, Loki. We're going to have to bring this one back up at some stage. I think. <laughs> no, I'm not conceding it. That's it. No. <laughs> Go to Sinead for a few lessons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good, lads. So um, once again, it was great to hear the feedback on, on Neve's episode, uh, Neve Crowley's episode, which was episode two of In the Lamplight. Um, our email address is lamplightpod, P-O-D, at gmail.com. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch directly with us, um, we had an email from Fergal Gallagher who said, a brilliant podcast. Interesting to hear about the two lads. That's you two lads and their career choices. Neve's interview was fab. Her piece by Monty, which was charred ass, uh, brought tears to my eyes. Absolutely. With Sarah Duffacy on Facebook. Fabulous, Neve. We remember the original well. Glued to the toy show. Pride of the parish. Lovely to see stroke here the performance again. Hmm. I love that comment. Another nice um, comment from Angela Maguire on Facebook as well um, on on that Shardas uh, video. She said, uh, what a woman. Well done to Kieran for keeping up and a big shout out to the person with the sweet editing skills. That's Asked the up. audio editing skills I presume she's talking about there. <laughs> yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Luke. Sorry. we got to give that one to Rory, I think. <laughs> Uh, very Thanks. good. Yeah, so please, uh, we welcome we welcome all feedback. We had uh, Eileen Ryan on Twitter as well. What happened to sign-off? Uh, fair play. Great to hear, to hear Neve's history. What a talent. The West is lucky to have her indeed, as the West is lucky to have Sinead Conway um, around and um, belting out these songs in all sorts of styles and genres. Um, have we have we thought of a sign off yet, lads? Or are uh, we <laughs> we uh, just have to be careful what we say about that because there are some uh, legal processes in place um, there <laughs> over over some plagiarism and a bit of defamation, and so we just have to be careful what we gonna let that work itself out before we um, comment on that any further. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, I we'll wish look, we were um, important enough for that to be the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or anyone cared about it. <laughs> someday, someday, Do you know someday. one thing that's, um, just before we kind of wrap up, um, just talking about Sinead, one thing that, that uh, has just popped into my head about Sinead, um, I was in a workshop a couple of years back with, um, it was Declan Sinnott that was leading the workshop. Declan, who plays with uh, Christy Moore. And who featured in a story on episode one. Who featured in a story on episode number one. May you go yes, back and listen to it. Yes. Um, I was sitting in a workshop with him and um, his, um, he, I think he, he called her his, his partner in life and his partner in music, um, who is a singer and songwriter called uh, Victoria Keating, Vicky Keating. And um, he was talking about people, I think somebody had made some allusion to her not being a musician because she didn't play something. Right. And he said, how can that be 
when you know she can sit and she understands music and she has music in her soul and she can pick out harmonies and she can do all of these amazingly musical things with her voice and the same to me applies to Sinead because I, I would never regard Sinead as just a, a, a singer she's a musician through and through like she is an amazing interpreter of songs and she can pick harmonies out amazing harmonies out of thin air and she absolutely has music just flowing through her soul and it comes out yeah. in her voice yeah for sure she's got an amazing ear Sinead uh, he, amazing you know ear. when we if ever like we're you know we're playing a wedding or we're playing a funeral and there's a new song on the on the set and you know I'm I miss a chord or I've you know I've I've just you know, I've I've just played the wrong chord at some stage. She she pulled me back and she said, "No, no, no, play another bass. Play play an F, play an F sharp, mm-hmm. G sharp. That's the one." You know, so she she actually okay. can she can pick this stuff out. You know, so that that absolutely speaks to her musicality. Yeah, her yeah. Mu- she's one of them people as well. Like speaking about her as a musician, when you know when I see Sinead come out on stage, be it in a team night, be it in a musical, be it at a function or an event or whatever, she's one of them people where I don't think oh, I hope she can keep up with this song. You know, that there's not that cringy thing. She's one of the people where I think, I wonder what she's going to do with this song. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so it's a totally different feeling when I see her come out because it's I don't get that kind of like secondhand nerves for the person. I just go, yeah. I wonder what she'll do with it because I know she's going to nail it. So I just I wonder how she's going to nail it, you know? And it's yeah. because she's a musician. She's not She's not just a singer with the band. She's a musician. She's part for of sure. that band. She understands what all of the music is doing. Um, yeah. she, she, she understands that level. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, um, fair play to Sinead and fair yeah. play to us, lads. And, uh, can't say, can't you can't say that. You can't say that, can't Karen. Say that. Uh, <laughs> look. <laughs> All right, look, lads. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. <laughs> I'm not going to take it back. Uh, there's, there's, too, uh, there's too many podcasts out there. Surely we, we, we can't come up with a completely original sign-off every night okay. or every every show. Anyway, lads, pleasure chatting to you as always. As and, always. Uh, uh, we we look forward to episode four uh, next week and follow us on social media, guys. You'll see all our videos and um, you'll see all our little snippets. You'll keep up to date with all our news. Uh, and and as, as we said earlier, we'd love some some feedback from you all. Uh, all right. That's it. All right. Cheers, folks. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.